0: So as you know, for the last uh, well, since September, we've been in a series called Captivated. You see Captivated up there. We're thinking about how uh, captivating God is in many different ways. And last week we looked at uh, having captivated prayer, what captivated prayer looked like, and we said that that was really made up of uh, what we believe about God fueling our prayers and what we believe about God being actually the content of our prayers as well, and how that was helpful sometimes. And so what we're going to do this week and next week is just take a slight step away from the book of Ephesians, although, you know, that's still very much in our mind, to talk about prayer. Today we're going to talk about personal prayer, and think about personal prayer, and what the Bible says about that. Next week we're going to think about praying together, in groups, in in different ways, and, and how that might work out. So... Uh, that's sort of the plan, as far as we have a plan, that is the plan. Uh, so, you know, I don't know about you, but when, when you think about the word prayer, uh, lots of different uh, things come into your mind, lots of different questions or comments. Some people wonder how, how prayer works, whether it works, uh, how they should pray, what they should pray about, how often they should pray. And if you put the word prayer into Google, I mean, you just get, like a stupid number of, of hits with all kinds of content and, and all kinds of things. So we can tell it's kind of a popular thing, it's kind of a thing that's on people's minds and as we said last week, I think most people will pray uh, at some point in their lives, even if it's just when things are, when they're in a really tough, tough spot, if, if nothing else. Um, this is what a guy called Tim Keller says. You know, you know that we'll often quote things from Tim Keller, he's someone who we like very much, he's a good author. He said this about prayer. Um, he says that prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. And he goes on to say that we must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. And I think that's a great quote. I think that says all about what prayer is and sort of summarises a lot about, about prayer in that in that idea, you know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an encounter. It's a, it's not just a head knowledge. It's, a, it's not like making uh, a phone call to someone. It's like meeting them face to face in that way. Uh, someone else who we, we like here very much, J.R. Packer, wrote a book with a lady called Carolyn Nystrom, and the subtitle of their book was Finding Our Way Through Duty to Delight. And again, I thought that was a good, a good phrase about prayer because sometimes it can feel, we go through seasons when it feels very dry or very forced or very, um, you know, we say, oh, you know, I'm too tired to pray, I'm too busy to pray, or, or uh, I don't feel like praying, I don't feel it's worth it, or, or all those kind of things. And those are all, all genuine concerns, I guess, or ones that I think most of us would have said at some point. But when we begin to feel that way, uh, really what, what J.I. Packer is saying, that that is something we, we go through when we sort of almost say, okay, look, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, because a, a, I feel I have to, but hopefully that then leads on to a more genuine, delightful way of praying, and a more a sort of relaxing way of praying, having that conversation, which is much more precious. So let's pray uh, appropriately and then we'll get into the, get into the passage of, of what we're going to talk about today. Heavenly Father, um, I feel like just saying you know, everything Joan just said. Your word is so precious. It is so important. It is such a, a vital thing for us. Lord, will you, will you please uh, open it to us? Will you show us its riches? Will you show us what it has to say about prayer? Uh, Lord, uh, let me just stand behind the cross because no one needs to be seen me or we need to hear from you through your Holy Spirit. Amen. And so as I was saying last week, we we thought about how our, what we believe about God sort of informs our prayers and we're going to look today, uh, because we're thinking about prayer not so much about a specific passage, we're going to see what the whole Bible says about prayer as far as that's possible within a, a short period of time. We're going to see that there are, there are examples of personal prayer in there. There's instructions about personal prayer. Uh, there's so many things we could say and, and to be honest with you, we're going to be scratching at the surface of some of that stuff. Um, but it's important I mean, We know that praying is, has such an important place for Christians because it's, it's talked about quite a lot in the Bible. Um, that and, and reading the Bible itself are, are two cornerstones of what Christians often do in terms of their, their Christian life. Uh, and that's appropriate because a couple of weeks ago we talked about listening to what God said through the Bible. When we think about prayer, that's really the other way. Prayer is where we get to talk back to God. Because every, every relationship, let's face it, needs good communication. And This is where we get that good communication. We talk to God through prayer, He talks to us through the Bible. And so if you're taking notes today, um, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to outline this idea of how, our, how we can be more captivated by our personal prayer. We're going to look at our, our attitude to prayer. We're going to look at the values of our prayer. But first of all, we're going to think more specifically about the contents of our prayer, what we pray. Uh, and again, just want to repeat the, the uh, health and safety warning I gave you last week. I gave you a health and safety warning last week. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you buy an electric guitar, it says, do not play your electric guitar in the bath. I mean, come on, yeah I mean, who is seriously going to sit and play their electric guitar in the bath and yet they feel they have to put that warning on there same with this, health and safety warning please, we don't want to be legalistic about prayer we don't want to say you have to do A, B, C, D, E in exactly that way, at exactly that time we're not saved in that kind of way we're saved by grace not through works and so we don't have to worry about that having said that, there's a lot of helpful stuff in the Bible um, and there's a lot of uh, things that are going to help us as we're talking about praying but please don't take away the idea it has to be exactly like that done in that way at that time that's not what we're saying uh, I think uh, as we saw last week from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 15, I think it's a good thing for us to pray I think it's a very good thing and um, certainly I know my prayer life needs a lot more work, it needs a lot more content so I'm hoping to learn stuff as we go along through this and certainly I've learnt a lot preparing for that this week um, but I say that not because I'm trying to follow one model or anything like that it's just when I look inside myself the Holy Spirit goes you know you can do with a bit more a bit more prayer and uh, I think I would agree with that. Um, so let's get into, into the Bible we know that Jesus prayed often and it's important to say, uh, his actual prayers in terms of their content are only actually recorded in about two or three places. So it says Jesus prayed often, it says Jesus went and prayed. Uh, one passage it says he got up very early in the morning to go, to go and pray and sometimes it says he went somewhere very quiet and alone to pray. But in terms of the actual content of what he prays, uh, it's really only, um, I suppose the passage Joan read, but even then he was teaching how to pray, so you know, was he praying then? I'm not sure. Uh, twice, in in a couple of places in the Bible it's recorded where he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane just before he died in John uh, 17 and and later on in Matthew Um, but what he did place emphasis on was how we pray as well, so we're going to to think more about that in a moment let's think about what to pray, the contents of our of our our prayer so let's go back to our passage today from from Matthew chapter 6 there uh, and the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. That's a good question. Uh, all of us are, are disciples who are Christians in that way and so we all are interested in, in prayer. Uh, we know that we want our prayer to be inspired as we were talking about last week and, and what was in our prayer and some of the contents. So let's see how Jesus answered that question. Uh, we are going to look at a couple of other bits as well but we're going to pick a lot of it from the passage here. Um, and we're going to talk about and again, just, just to be clear, we're talking about personal prayer, we're talking about us we're talking about Ian, praying to God we're talking about Andrew, praying to God, we're talking about Joan praying to God, not all of us together that's next week, come for that one um, and you know, okay, we all need to understand about prayers, that's a very sensible question from the disciples, sometimes the disciples ask weird and unusual questions but that's a, a really good one, so, so good for, for the disciples there Um, and you know yeah, we we pray about lots of different things don't we, we pray um, we pray that we should uh, thank God for things that's a good thing to do Uh, you remember that from last week in Ephesians Paul was praying and thanking God for the Ephesians that's good stuff we thank God for granting our prayers sometimes, and that's a good thing to pray as well. We, we pray telling God how brilliant and majestic he is, and how fabulous he is. That's a good thing to pray. We pray that we, we are sorry that we've done bad things, or we pray that we haven't, sorry that we haven't done the good things we were supposed to do. Uh, we pray because we need something, or we know somebody else who needs something. We need something changing in our, in our lives. Um, so, so th- those are sort of different kinds of prayers and, and people remember things in different ways but um, many people find it useful to remember that through an acronym is that the right word? acronym uh, ACT you know, so there's a book in the Bible called Acts A-C-T-S and so people remember that sometimes to pray in this way first of all they pray for adoration that's the A in Acts they pray how marvellous God is how incredible he is how wonderful he is that's a good thing to pray. It's a good thing to pray. Again, you don't have to pray this way. This is something people find helpful sometimes. Don't think you have to pray exactly that. See, confession. As I was saying, we pray that, that you know we're sorry. We haven't done what God wants us to do. We're sorry we've done bad things. Uh, we're sorry we're just not a good person. You know, uh, pray for our, our, what would you say, our rebellion against God, and the fact that we're sorry. You know. Uh, so uh, what letter comes next? T? Come on. Come on wait. T? T Thanks to God. Thanks for so many things. There's so many things we could be thankful for. Uh, there's a little kid's song, uh, count, your bless- uh, count Your Blessings, Count them one by one. You know, we have so many things to, to thank God for. Um, and we'll talk about some of those in a little while. Um, but saying thank you... Is a good thing. We tell our kids to do that, don't we? We send our kids in. You know, say thank you. Say please. Say thank you. We need to say thank you as well in that way. And we need to say, I suppose, without carrying that analogy too far, as well, uh, request to say to ask God for things as well. Supplication, big word, means request. Uh, you can put R there because they need to be A C T R, and that just wouldn't work. You know, I mean, that's that. Like so, so uh, acts is how some people remember that and. Uh, that is a that's helpful in that way certainly praying for all those things are good things to pray and uh, we like that uh, but also people pray I mean remember people pray and again you know, thanks for Andrew for praying you know, we heard people pray for, for small things you know, Lord I have lost my glasses again please will you help me to find them because I'm going out in five minutes and I'm really stressed it's a good prayer it's a small prayer, it's a good prayer Pray those kind of things, that's fine. You know, uh, you know, Lord, I've got uh, a friend coming around for dinner in 10 minutes and the dinner has just burnt in the oven, please give me inspiration. You know, these are good prayers and God likes those kind of prayers. And, and fortunately he answers many of them, so that's good as well. Uh, but it's also good to pray for big things as well. Yeah? Um, and again, you know, Andrew's playing there for what had been happening in France this week. That, you know, that is a good prayer, Lord bring peace in Syria and Iraq that is good, God is quite capable of answering big prayers uh, also remember it says that, it says in the Bible that he'll, he'll uh, grant us abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, so sometimes don't be surprised if he answers with more than you were expecting if, you're, if you, you know, you're asking him to do one thing and sometimes he'll do three things or he'll do one thing just in a way that you weren't expecting and it just I hope you've had that experience at some point in your life. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate that that's happened to me quite a few times. And it is just, you just go, oh, God, you are just incredible. You, you know, we prayed for this and you've done that. You are just out of this world. That, that comes under the thanks heading, I suppose. Um, you know, Lord, please be preparing the man who will marry my daughter. Make them a godly man sold out for you. That's a good prayer. From a kid, from a daughter who is the age of Eve. That's a good prayer. Um, These are all good things, all good prayers. Um, Also, in the Bible, we're told to pray for certain things. We pray, in in the passage we read there, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Um, But God's name will be hallowed, it says in that prayer. Again, these are also good things to pray, that um, sort of acknowledging who God is, acknowledging he is holy and and perfect and incredible, and that we want to know that, you know, hallowed be your name. We're not saying that in some uh, headway of, oh yeah, you know, we say that because that's what I was taught to say, or we say that because that is... Uh, oh yeah, hallowed be your name. You yeah, we say, hallowed be your name. Lord, I want to know that. I want to know you in my heart. I want to encounter you in my heart. Not in some uh, blah, 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 that's what I say every day kind of way. Uh, I want your name to be glorified. High and lifted up. And I want to understand that. I want to know that in my heart. First of all, today, right now. I want your kingdom to come, yeah? I want it know you in that way, I want your kingdom to be here on earth, I want your will to be done, I want what I want what you want, I want to want what you want. Those are good things to pray, those are important things to pray. Uh, And those last two things, your kingdom come and your will be done, will happen anyway. So they're really good things to pray. Because you know that your prayer is going to be answered. Uh, we pray, like I said, there in that in that passage there, for in sort of verse nine in Matthew, where we're praying for uh, our daily bread. That's a good prayer, a good prayer. Some some very practical things: for forgiveness of our sins, that we wouldn't be led into temptation. Those good things. Uh, the Bible also tells us to pray for those in authority. It tells us to pray for those who persecute us. Matthew five twenty four says that. Or, or those who mistreat us, Luke 6, 28. Those two ones aren't probably as popular as they should be. We don't always pray uh, We don't always pray for our enemies and the people who mess us about. We might think things about them, but we don't always pray for them. Perhaps. So there, yeah, that, that one may, maybe should be a bit more popular than it is. We're told to pray for God's people, that is for other Christians, and pray, pray all kinds of prayers, it says. That's, Ephesians, that's later on in Ephesians, that's Six eighteen, chapter 6 verse 18 says pray all kinds of prayers what kind of prayers are included in the word all all kinds of prayers are included in the word all so pray all kinds of prayers um, and, and again just uh, I'll read, read this to you from Philippians 4 6 this is such a great phrase just listen to the heart of God here this is just do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I'm going to read that again, that's so good. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, how many situations? Every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That is a good word, that is a great word from the Bible there. Uh, and so we we pray when we're in trouble we pray when we're sick we pray when we you put the word prayer into Bible Gateway and see how many times you're supposed to pray You know, there's a lot of things we're going to be praying for and a lot of stuff to go through I could keep going and keep going and keep going and I'm not going to keep going on that because we need to move on to other things I think one, one thing I would say as well is that we pray no. Um, we also it's worth saying that we pray in the name of Jesus, just turn with me in the Bible to Ch- John chapter 16 so that's a few, few books over again if you're not used to the Bible, uh, don't feel bad about looking up the, the index in the index at the front, the different chapters in the Bible, and when we say chapter, sorry the different books in the Bible that's what I, mean. I remember the chapter is the big number, the verse is the small number, so we're going to look in John chapter 16, so that's John, big number 16, verse 19, small number 19. Oops. Got that. Uh, this is what it says. This is what it says here. And again, again the disciples have kind of got questions on their, on their minds and that sort of thing. Um, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another about what I meant when I said, In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world so with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So Jesus there is talking about uh, his death and what's going to happen after his death and resurrection. He's saying that uh, the disciples have had three years with him. They've had three years where he's been there and he's taught them and if they've had a question, he's been able to answer the question and that's been cool and that's been okay. What he's saying is you're not going to be able to do that anymore. I'm physically going to be leaving you. But what is going to be able to happen is that you are going to be able to ask my father, that is God, and if you ask in my name, that is in accordance with the name of Jesus, and accordance with what he would have asked, then he will answer, answer that prayer. Um, and before you, you had access to, to me, now you've got to have access directly to God. Um, because of his son. Because of his son who he, he loves and adores. Those of you who have kids, uh, or if you remember back to when you were a kid, if you're if some strange kid comes up to you and asks you, you know, "Can I have a biscuit?" or whatever, you know, you're like, mm, "Maybe," you know, or, or possibly mm, get lost. But but if if your son or daughter comes up to you with one of their friends and says, "Can my friend have a biscuit?" you sort of go, "Yeah, of course, I can," because because they're asking on behalf of your your beloved child. Same way, God loves His Son and He does things because of His Son. And so when we pray, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And that is a good and a precious name. One other thing I will just mention on that. Uh, Again you're going to be getting a bit of exercise in the Bible here. Just go to Luke with me will you? To Luke chapter 11. Now Luke chapter 11. So that's back one book in the Bible. Uh, In Luke chapter 11. That's where the... uh, That's the equivalent passage to the one from Matthew, again, teaching about what we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, Just look at... um, Just look down to verse 11 there. So, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Again, it follows on from the Lord's Prayer. "Which Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? So he's talking about there how God likes to give good good gifts and uh, go back there, if your son asks for a fish, we'll ask for a snake instead. I just want to take that thought and just expand it for a minute because... We were talking last week that God sometimes says no in prayers. You think about you reverse that. If you ask for a snake, does God give you a snake? No. So sometimes when, the answer, when God answers our prayers and says no, that is because we've asked for something that was daft or dangerous or not in accordance with his will. So again, just, um, that just struck me this week. that Yes, he wants to give us good things and that includes... Yeah, you know, if, if your child came to you and said, can I have a snake? You know, I mean, okay, I know people keep reptiles in tanks and that kind of stuff. I personally find that a bit <laughs> weird. Yeah, you know, I mean, even if I see a pet shop and he says on the door of the pet shop, snakes, you know, I will cross to the other side of the street, you know, in case one gets out the door and, you know, viciously slithers up to me or whatever. Um, you know, yeah, you know, so you're not going to give your kid, you know, a kid snake, here no. Our Heavenly Father is the same. We, we don't realise what we're asking sometimes, and God will sometimes say, no. Because that's just not good for you. you know? um, anyway, so I was really just thinking a little bit about, a bit about the content of prayers and what we pray for. You pray what's on your heart, guys, but hopefully some of those things will be helpful to you and, and give you some, some thoughts as to that. I also want to think here about... Uh, our attitude when we pray and how we pray and probably spend more time on this because I think that this was more important to Jesus let's go back to that passage that Joan read for us so beautifully back in Matthew Matthew chapter 6 so another two books back quite near the beginning of that Matthew chapter 6 and uh, Look what Jesus says there in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Notice it doesn't say this is what you should pray. He says this is how you should pray. So I think that Jesus is more concerned about our attitude, where our hearts are than every particular word that we might say. Yes, we want content and as we said last week, content from the Bible is great and this stuff. But if, if it's just all about content and it's not about our heart, then that's a very uh, dry prayer. That's a very, uh, dare I say, academic experience and not a heart experience, not an encounter with God. Let me just read you this, uh, this again that, that Joan read for us because I think it's very important. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they look to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by men. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I think, I think in the past, I think it would be fair to say that I've viewed that passage very much in two bits. You know, first of all about, uh, first passage about being hypocritical when you pray and that kind of thing. And then the second bit about what to pray. As I was saying, this is more, I think, about how we pray. Um, So, uh, and the disciples say in in the passage in Luke, they'll go back there, but it's to teach us to pray. So I think those are good things to think about. And so let's think about the idea that God is is concerned about where our heart is, where our attitude is, what our motivation is when we're praying. Uh, How do we view God the Father? How do we view Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit when we pray? Um, Let's have a look at that. I think first of all, he's concerned about sincerity. Uh, Look look, go back to verse 5 there. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Uh, Jesus is pointing out something that was a common practice at that time, which was people would want to be seen as being very religious, you know, they want to say like, you know, I am super, what would it be, I am a super Jewish person and so they would stand on the corner of a street, so remember on the corner of a street people can see you both ways, or in a synagogue somewhere and they pray out loud, uh, they pray out loud, they pray loud out loud very public, so uh, so that people could see them and say how, ooh, look at them, they're great, aren't they? Um, be clear, there's nothing wrong with praying in public, there's nothing wrong with praying individually in public. It's not talking about that. Jesus is talking about, uh, Jesus is not talking about when we're praying in groups, or in churches, or in family. Yes, of course, you know, Andrew's just stood up here and prayed in front of us, and with us, that's not a bad thing. He's talking about when we're praying individually. It's talking about praying when our heart is saying, Look how holy I am. Uh, you might have that. You might be thinking that when you're praying on your own, just in your own house, you know that, that's the thing he's bothered about praying. You know, look how holy I am. Look how great I am. Um, it's all about me. And Jesus says they have received their reward in full. And you know that's not a good phrase when he says that. I mean, you could you could read that to say, oh yes, they've been really rewarded. No, he's being ironic and cutting when he says that they have received a reward for that. And it's not a good thing. Um, Instead, Jesus is urging his followers towards sincerity, towards intimacy with God, to protect our hearts against pride. He's saying, go into a room on your own. Do you have to do that every time you pray? No. What he's saying is, if if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling that pride about praying, go into a room on your own. It, It will help you certainly go to a quiet place. Jesus himself often went to a quiet place to pray. We know how when he was doing his ministry, how often there'd be crowds around him, there'd be lots of people around him. He just, He didn't want to pray in front of them all. He wanted to be quiet, so sometimes he'd get up very early and go out, or he'd row, across a, row in a boat to the other side of lakes and that sort of thing. To pray, to be on his own, to have... That encounter with his father once again to renew that intimacy that they had. Uh, I'm not very good at getting up early in the morning, so I have to find other ways to do it. Um, uh, but Jesus wants us to be able to be real and unrestricted and, and undistracted when we're talking to God when we pray. Um, and and also, you know, he, he doesn't want us to feel restricted. I mean, you'll think about it another way. If you're praying, many people aren't comfortable praying in public. And again, you don't want to feel limited or self-conscious when you pray to God. You just want to be real. You want to be yourself. Uh, and you think about that. If you want to talk with someone, and you want to have a good conversation with someone, you don't usually do it in front of everyone else. You say, you know, can I have a word with you? You know, can we just go and have a, have a coffee or go somewhere at Or can we have a chat in another room or, or whatever? Because you want to be a real and authentic. Two two people communicating with each other. So I guess from this, uh, maybe a question for you to to consider is where is your quiet place and where is your quiet time? Uh, One way to improve your prayer life is to set aside a place and a time like Jesus is suggesting here. Uh, Perhaps it's in the morning, perhaps it's in the evening, perhaps it's at night, perhaps it's in different places, Uh, perhaps you're praying in bed, perhaps you pray beside your bed. Perhaps you pray in the workplace before everyone gets in. Perhaps you like to pray in a garden because it's very peaceful in the garden. People relate to gardens. Uh, perhaps you pray in the bath. Uh, perhaps you pray in your car. That's okay. Just keep your eyes open if you're driving and you pray. But you can not pray in your car. That's okay. People do that as well. That is good. As long as it's somewhere where you're, you're quiet and you can be authentic with God. You can say what you want. Um, do you have to do this to be saved to be a Christian? No, absolutely not. Again, be clear—we're not saying this is something you must do. You must do it in this way. But every Christian who I know, who, who does this, has found that it's helped their prayer life a lot. So it's worth—it's worth considering. Uh, I certainly don't know anyone who's regretted making that kind of space and time to pray for God, on pray to God on their own. Uh, but as well as an attitude of sincerity, he also wanted an attitude of straightforwardness. That was the only word I could really think of for this. It's probably not the right word. Feel free to uh, tell me what I should have said afterwards. It's the only word I can think of. Um, but, but look in, in verse uh, 7 and 8 here. Um, when you When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Uh, so Jesus is saying, other people from other places, uh, other faiths, kind of babble, and you know, you know, my babble. Um, Jesus says the opposite. He says, "Don't be like them. Do not have an attitude that says, says, the, the more proficient you are in your prayer, you know, you use big words." or the more words that you use, or the volume at which you use, or anything like that, is is not going to persuade God, okay? Because God already knows, before you've started, what you need. He already knows in your heart what you need. Now, does that blow your mind? Because that blows my mind. Uh, God knows what we're going to ask, before we ask it. Uh, let me read you from Romans chapter 8. You can turn there if you want to, but you don't have to. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, uh, so that's Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit there, helps us in our weakness. Get this, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that is Christians, in accordance with God's will. Uh, that's a great thought, isn't it? That we don't always know what to pray for. Uh, and we, we were saying last week how we, we want to be praying God's thoughts back to him. We want to be praying what God is thinking back to him. We don't always know how to do that. It's okay, because the Holy Spirit does. Uh, so if you're a Christian and you're here today, you have the Holy Spirit living inside, and who knows this, hears your troubles, and get this, tells God what's going on. So the Holy Spirit, think about it, knows what the will of God is, because it's part of God. Uh, he knows what Christ has done for us. God, the Father knows what the Holy Spirit is thinking, because again, they're all they're, they're all interconnected as being part of God. The Holy Spirit hears our groaning. That is a great word. Do you have you ever have you ever groaned, or you, your heart ever been groaning when you've been praying? Have you been just like, you know, I don't even know what to say at this point, God. You know, that's okay because the Holy Spirit does know. The Holy Spirit knows exactly, and He's going to help you with that. And He's going to communicate our desires, our agonies, our thankfulness, our, our insecurities, our love for God. Our Lord, I just don't know what to do right now. And they're going to talk together to get the message across. So we don't need to use big words. I'm like, I praise you, Jesus, because of your you effusive joy. You know, just be real. Um, God is our Father. How do you talk to your Father? Talk the same way that you talk to your father or you would talk to a, a, a father figure you know, hi God you know, I'm really struggling with this right now just, just be real we call, we call him, we have a personal relationship because of what Jesus did um, and, and so you know, it, it, you know God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have been talking to each other for eternity they've been talking to each other for eternity and they know what each other wants and we to each other things. So what's happening in prayer is they're inviting us to join that conversation. They say, will you join this conversation? We have this great conversation between the three of us. We have this great communication time. Will you join that conversation with us? So don't worry if you don't know what to say. Don't worry if you trip over words. Don't worry if you don't, using big Bible words, God is our Heavenly Father. And just speak to Him in that way. Speak, speak normally in that way. Denise will sometimes say it, sometimes start, I don't know if you've ever heard Denise pray, it's fantastic. Denise will sometimes start off with, hi, it's me again. Uh, Thirdly, he wants to think about our attitude of, of submission. We said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's a prayer that acknowledges God as being in charge. He's on the throne, he's God We're going to the Lord of the universe with our adoration, with our thanks, with our praise, we're saying how great he is. And we're saying we want to align our hearts up with you. Why do we want to do that? Because that's how prayer is going to really work. Your kingdom is going to come. So God wants us to be saying, yeah, you're in charge. Not, I'm in charge. Not, God, you've got to do this for me because I really want you to and you must. He's the king of the universe. Who do we think we are talking to in that way? We're coming. Say, yeah, God, Thy will be done. You know, Lord, my friend has Kawasaki's disease. Uh, it's really hard. If it is Your will, please, Lord, heal me Okay, not you must do this. Not you can't. He's God. We're not. That's just the way it is. We got to get into that. Uh back to Matthew, sorry if you've been in Romans, just back to Matthew. Uh, looking back in the passage Joan read, also look there in verse 14, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as well as sincerity and straightforwardness and, and submission, I think we should have thought another rest for this, Um God also wants us to have an attitude of forgiveness. He wants us to have a forgiving heart. Notice that this is the only part of that prayer Jesus comments on afterwards. He doesn't comment on daily bread or hallowed be thy name or anything like that. But he does even give a comment about the forgivers our debtors bit. Uh, he's, he's saying, you know, you've got to have an attitude of forgiveness of when you're going to God. Um, one of my friends has... A, A phrase that I think is a very good one. Uh, She says that uh, unforgiveness, or or bitterness, or resentment, all, all those kind of things, are like you swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah? So what? They don't care. Yeah, all you're doing is damaging yourself. You're damaging your own heart. You're damaging your relationship with God. Yeah, that's why God wants us to have that attitude of forgiveness. Now, again, and I've said this before, please... The command to forgive is probably one of the hardest commands in the Bible. It is one of the toughest things. If you think forgiveness is easy, then, then I would suggest to you you've probably never really been deeply as offended as perhaps many other people have. Um, it is very hard. Uh, particularly, you know, Jesus says, forgive your enemies, yeah? And the people who oppress you. Wow. Um, and we talked about that a lot, I know, but I just want to say here i'm acknowledging that that is not an easy thing to do. Um, but nevertheless, it is something we've been commanded to do, and so uh, it is something that, that we might have to spend the rest of our lives working at, but we have to try and work out that please if if you if you want to ask me more about that, please do because that is a very hard thing, and a very difficult thing, but something we all We're also asked to do it for an attitude of faith. Our faith is important. Um, He's going to do what he said. Uh, He is going to answer our prayers. As we said, some are yes, some are no, some are uh, yes but not yet. And uh, let me just read for you from Matthew 21. We are having a good jump around. I said we'd have a good jump around. This is Matthew 21 verse 21 and let me just tell you while I'm I'm moving there I find this a very hard piece of scripture to deal with uh, and to reconcile myself to Uh, Matthew 21 verse 21 again this is just as Jesus is going to Jerusalem in the last week of his life Uh, let me go back a bit Um, start verse 18 maybe, early in the morning as he was on his way to the city he was hungry seeing a fig tree by the road he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves, for no fruit. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed Fair enough. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea' and it will be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer and, and just you know, speaking personally here I, I find that hard to, to reconcile with the idea of um, if you've got enough faith and you pray for things they will, they will happen the best I can understand that bearing in mind I know people with a huge amount of faith whose prayers were not answered is that, is that as we were talking about last week Uh, prayers are granted when they align with the will of God and so that if Jesus had had, as he says in other places taught about things, said by the way, thy will be done Um, again when we're thinking about what Jesus has to teach us about a subject we have to look at everything he taught us not just take one particular passage so when we're thinking about prayer he also said, thy will be done and so uh, the best I can think about that is Yes, if you, ask, if you have huge faith and ask him for a snake hopefully the answer will be no go back to that analogy again if you ask for something that will be really bad for you hopefully he won't give it you it would be scary if he did, wouldn't it? that would be unfortunate um, and this is important isn't it? this is important as, as, our, as part of our what would you call it, our world view of Christians, because that's an important question uh, people will often challenge us. I don't know. You know, if you've ever have been talking to an atheist and they've said something like, "Okay, you believe in God? You call down lightning right now, or you know, you set this guitar on fire." I don't do that, more. Uh, so I'm going to play it. Um, yeah, and, uh, or even more realistically, in our own hearts, we're like, "Ah, oh, man, you know, I wonder if God is not listening, or I wonder if God is not answering." So we need to have a firm understanding of how prayer works. That's important to us. So we know that yeah, yeah God is not going to spread that guitar on fire because by well, the way what's he going to do for your faith? you don't have faith at that point. One of my friends prayed for her father to be saved for, for maybe as much as 40 years. And at some point I'm sure, in fact I know that she'd prayed there like a number of people in the Bible she prayed, how long Lord? How long am I going to wait? for my prayer to be answered. He came to faith in Jesus about two years ago, and he passed away, about this, he passed away this week, actually. Um, and he's gone to his eternal reward in heaven. So sometimes our answers are, yes, but not yet. And that not yet might be a very long time. But prayer works. That guy was saved. And what a great joy to know that your parents have gone to heaven. I heard about a church in a land true story because I, 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 this guy was there I heard a, a story about a church in a land where there was a drought going on this is, I think this is a great illustration of what it means to pray with faith so there's a drought going on and the church had called together the congregation to have an evening prayer meeting to pray for rain So they were going to pray for rain they gathered everyone together to pray for rain crops are failing, it's getting very dry we are going to run out of water Uh, So the congregation met and prayed together and, praise God, halfway through the surface, it starts lashing down with rain outside. I mean, it is throwing it down in buckets. But only one lady had brought an umbrella with her. Okay? That's what it means by praying with faith. Okay? That lady had prayed with faith. The other guys had turned up thinking God wasn't going to answer the prayers. Uh, and so when we believe so when we pray, we, we pray in faith in that way. Yes, it may not have rained at that point, it may have rained later. But God would turn up and do it. Uh, I just got this picture, I just got this picture, I don't know about you, that just gives me this mental picture of you know you imagine our door there, you know, everyone's you know looking out, the rain's lashing you down outside, you're standing inside. It was a hot country, so they're probably in their t shirts or something. Just this lady sort of put her umbrella sort of goes off home they're all sitting inside sort of going, well I can't say I hope it stops raining uh, because I've just been praying for rain but I want to go home yeah. um, as well as having an attitude of faith also an attitude of faithfulness now this is what it says in Romans uh, Paul's letter to the Roman church be joyful this is, this is great be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer Prayer is something that becomes part of our lives that we don't don't even think about ideally. When we're getting to the point where, like J.R. Packer said earlier on, where it becomes a delight and not a duty, at that point it just becomes something that that, that we do very naturally, very very openly. So uh, you know, you, you reach for your favourite pen, to write your favourite pen, you're in the kitchen, you go for your favourite knife, don't even think about it. I I just got... We reach for prayer in that way, just just because of practice, we do it automatically. If you, I don't know if you know any any decorators. You go a decorator who comes round your house, and they're talking to you like this: "Oh, you know, oh hey Sam, you know, how are you doing? Uh, you're okay. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed what you were doing, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed what you were saying the other day." How, what they're doing? They're, they're not even thinking about it. They're checking out your walls. They're checking out to see whether the the, the paper's got the the, the lines down or that sort of stuff, or or. Uh, if I've gone out for Denise and she's with Denise and she's reading the menu, I know that part of her is reading the menu. Part of her is checking out there's no spelling mistakes in the menu. Because she's a secretary. So what she does, she doesn't think about it. And halfway through I'm thinking, oh, shall I have the lasagna Or shall I have the cottage pie? And she says, Look, they've spelt dessert wrong. I'm like I didn't even see that, you know, so it's you know, check out. Uh, I worked with a chap who used to be in the army. He used to be an officer in the army. And whenever we walked into a building, whenever there was a security guard there, he'd say, you know, security guard there, he'd walk in and sort of go... I I think I actually looked them up and down. I'm like, what are you doing, Mike? And he's and he's he's like, what do you mean what am I doing? I said, when you walk past that security guard, you're like... You check them up and down. He's like, "Oh, sorry, mate. It's just, it's just habit. I'm used to inspecting people in uniforms. I do it all the time. I don't think about it." You've been out of the army for about ten years, by now. You know, we want prayer to be in that way. We want, we want as Christians to to reach for prayer without thinking, just automatically, just just for it. Finally, an attitude of joy. I don't mean some fluffy, mindless joy. Joy in that way. I mean like a deep-down joy, the one that uh, Bubbles up from, from our depths. It's the difference between someone having a, a squeaky little polite laugh, you know, you know the crack like, yeah. Um. the difference between that and, a, and, a, and an uncontrolled giggler. Have you ever been with an uncontrolled giggler when they start? Yeah, when they start, you know that they mean it. You know that they're really into it. We were we were travelling somewhere once and we're on a plane and about six rows back somebody started giggling. Okay? Now when I say they were giggling, I mean they were giggling. I mean they were going for it big time. Well in about five minutes, the back half of the plane is in hysterical laughter. I mean everybody on the plane was giggling. They couldn't help it. Because it was so genuine, it was so full of, of mirth and joy and, and fun. That's the kind of joy I'm talking about. I don't mean laugh when you pray. If you want, but, but I mean like, like with the joy, and not some flaky, flaky thing that's sort of going on there. Um, and Christians reach for joy and pray with joy because because you know because of understanding of what God's done for us. You know He's made us. He's created us wonderfully. He's made us a, a marvelous thing. We we imperf- imper- imperfectly. Um, perhaps, but yeah, we bear his image. All of us bear God's image to a certain extent. Um, he, he's, he didn't leave us to our, our rebellion. He didn't leave us alone in, at the things we were doing wrong. He sent his son to die for us. Can you imagine anyone sending their son to die for you? That ain't going to happen. You know, can you imagine then that he actually rose from the dead three days later, he saved us, we trust him, we've repented him, he sent us the Holy Spirit, we've got so much to be joyful about. Now, bear that in mind, you may also be thinking, well that's not the Christian line know, they're a right miserable bunch. Right? Don't let other people's reserve, or, or sometimes their the fact that they're struggling with joy at a particular time, don't let that fool you to the fact that there is not a deep bubbling joy. Get them to know better get to know them better, get to know us better, and we will show you the deep down joy we have. Psalm sixteen says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, let me just reiterate here do not play your electric guitars in the bath. This is not legalism, this is not a checklist that says, Okay, I'm about to pray. Uh, okay, am I going to pray sincerely? Yes. Uh, am I going to pray submission to him? Yes. Am I feeling joyful? Oh, not as much. Don't know if I can pray. No, 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 no. It is not like that. What we're saying is that this is how we're trying to nurture our hearts. This is kind to where we're trying to get our hearts to when we pray to God. We're not saying, it must be done like that. You, your heart must feel this when you pray. I'm not saying that. Finally, I want us to think about the value of our prayers. The value of our prayers. And I think this is important because sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. Or the answer is yes, but not yet. And there's a temptation to go, well, why did I bother? Or there's a temptation to go, well, that wasn't a very good prayer. There's a temptation to say, oh, it didn't happen because it, was, it wasn't it was a very good prayer. Okay, what I want to show for you is that that is not the case. Now, if you, if you come to church here regularly, you'll know that uh, we're currently reading the book of Ephesians on our... Uh, we are reading the book of Ephesians on Sundays. We're we'll reading the book of Revelation on Wednesdays. And we're just about to get to Revelation chapter 5. So, at the risk of stealing Ian Jones's thunder for Wednesday, I'm going to read to you something from verse uh, chapter 5 of Revelation verses 6 to 8 uh, and let me just read this to you so this is, so just a bit of background this is a guy called John and John is being given a vision of what's happening in the throne room of heaven can you imagine how incredible that is you're actually, you're actually getting a vision to say this is happening in the throne room of heaven, So this is part of that vision this is what it says then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a heart. And they were holding golden, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. We'll this again. Each had a harp. And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so, what I think we need to sort of get, get around is that, is that all our prayers arrive in heaven. There's not some kind of glass ceiling that they bounce off. There's not some filter or something like that. All our prayers go to heaven. Regardless of how they're answered, they all get there. And notice that the, the prayers of God's people are, are like incense. Uh, that is, they all have value by God. incense at this point was, was a, a spice that had a lot of value. Uh, I don't know how many of you have smelt incense. You hear those sort of like incense sticks and stuff that burn and that kind of stuff. It's a very sweet smell, kind of attractive smell. Many people like it. Not everyone, but many people like it. I um, know what your favourite smell is. But smell brings back a lot of emotions. They say if you... And, and a lot of memories. If you're trying to remember something, they say you will trying to remember the smell and it'll bring back some sort of the emotions and, and that sort of stuff. That's why supermarkets will pump uh, the smell of bread outside to try and make you come in and... and and eat bread, you know, or, or why you're supposed to bake biscuits if you're trying to sell your house, you know, bake biscuits when you come round and it'll smell nice and homely because people associate cooking biscuits with like that warm, homely smell or perhaps a chocolate shop, if you, you know, the smell of a chocolate shop. Um, perhaps baking a certain kind of cake or something that brings all those memories to you. Anyone dribbling yet? Um... The the, the 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 smell of fresh grass, the smell of the sea. Yeah, they bring those, back, those those memories and those emotions and, the, and those good things for us. We're saying here that the revelation is telling us that the, the prayers of God's people, whether they're answered or not, whether the answer to those prayers is no, those prayers are valuable and precious to God. They're valued by Him. They have they have a sweet aroma. They're pleasing to him. They have a sweet aroma. And so they they have that. Please, when you're thinking about praying, please remember that 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 very thing itself brings pleasure to God. It brings enjoyment to God. It brings satisfaction to God, regardless of what the answer is. So as we're thinking about praying, as, as we pray, Hopefully there's some thoughts there in terms of, of what we pray. Hopefully there's some thoughts there in terms for for our hearts and, and, and what we're feeling when we pray. But also I hope you can see that uh, your prayer is very important and, and uh, your prayer has great value to God. And let's face it, who doesn't want to bring value and joy and, and pleasure to God in that way? Well we think more next week about how we pray together as in groups but now let me close us in prayer